All right, you needed to laugh. Now open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. So today, obviously, we're going to be doing some pull-out messages on trusting the Lord, on hope, on the fact that, that God is still in control. I'm very proud of all you folks that came out today. And, um, you know, we have a little bit of room. We have the overflow room. If you'd like to spread out, you can see it and hear it in there. Some room in the back to spread out a little bit if you'd like. Um, Obviously, we appreciate everybody observing their personal cleanliness. We have hand sanitizers and stations and make sure there's fresh soap and towels in the bathrooms and plenty of toilet paper in there. And um, obviously, if, if for any reason you, you, you know, you're, you're unsure, whether you travel, any reason that you might personally have to stay home, we, we, we honor your decision to stay home. And um, oh, we are today, I think, for the first time on Facebook Live. So I want to welcome anybody who's watching Facebook Live. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have told that joke if I knew that was going on. I thought it was just, you know, I'm used to just us talking. We don't, we don't really have that going on. Um, well, yeah, did you, did you look? No? 13 people on. Well, hi, 13 people. God bless you. We're glad you're here. Uh, Chris Corner, is Chris on there? Chris asked me if we were going Facebook Live today. Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse number 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be made known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The title of the message today is Fear versus prayer. You know, Jesus said, um, and we'll look at it in Matthew's gospel, he said, do not worry about anything. And then he went on to tell you things that he doesn't want you to worry about. You know, he said, by worrying, can you add one inch to your height? Anybody too worried they were born short? Yeah, a couple of you. So if you worry about it, will you grow? No, Jesus was very candid, right? And and, and easy to understand. But, you know, so many times in life, listen, have you heard the thing where we, we pit worry versus prayer? The time that you spend worrying and thinking about it, and you realize that, that, that most of the things, and I don't know what percentage, a high percentage of the things that you worry about, what, what happens with those things? They never come to pass. The things we worry about never happen. And the contrast is that if we'll use that energy to think and to worry, and we'll spend that time instead in prayer, things will change. God will show up in your situation. God will show up in your life and make things different for you if you'll pray instead of worry. It's really a, a, a very um, practical way to help you to remember to pray. How many of you guys tend to be worry warts? Anybody want to admit that? My wife's got her hand up. A couple of us, right? I see a lot of women. I don't see a lot of guys. <laughs> No, for being honest, you worry because you think with both sides of your brain at the same time and the one's confusing the other. No, I'm teasing. Um, so if you, when you begin to worry and think those things, that you, you use that time to pray. And if I'm being honest, like, let, let's be honest. You know, I heard a pastor say at the pastor, last pastor's conference, he said, pastors, I want you to go home to your congregations. And he said, let's be honest within Calvary Chapel and do an honest survey, make it unanimous or anonymous so that people don't feel like they, so people can just tell the truth and ask your church how many of them are reading their Bible on a regular basis. 
You know, we pride ourselves on the fact that, hey, we're, we're Calvary Chapel. We're, we're the Bible church, and we're chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And we challenge you every year to read your Bible and, and pray every day. We challenge you every January to, to go through the Bible in a year. And he said, go home and ask. He said, you might be shocked. How many people actually read their Bible on a regular basis? And it's important. It's an important discipline for us as believers. Amen? On the same note, how many of us actually spend time in prayer as Christ followers? Everybody's really silent. This is not a message of condemnation. I, I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, I'm encouraging you guys. I'm just saying, let's be practical, right? And, and we do have to do things in our life to practically make disciplines of reading our Bible and praying. Worrying is a great one. If you're a worry, every time you worry, you, you ever heard of the concept run to the roar? You know, um, in a lion pack, the, the old, meanest, hairiest, biggest, scariest looking lion, his body is old. And he's not the toughest lion anymore. But he has the meanest roar. And he's the scariest looking. But really, when it comes down to it, the girls are much better at, at actually fighting and, and chasing down prey and attacking it. So, so the head lion, his job as he gets older and mature is not to, to go and attack anymore. It's to roar and scare the, lion, the, the prey into the direction of the lionesses as they go out and attack. And, and so the concept of run to the roar is that's the, that's the least um, fierce of all the lions. So when you hear that roar, rather than run away from it, if you ran towards it and away from the lionesses, you'd be in much better shape. And when Satan, the Bible says in John 10, that Satan is a roaring lion going around seeking whom he might devour. So when Satan roars, every time he roars, if you run towards the roar, that's the concept, Satan puts a temptation in your heart. And every time Satan puts a temptation in your heart, you open your Bible and read a chapter. Every time you feel something that Satan is, 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 is roaring at you, you, you stop and you, and you get alone and you pray for 10 minutes. How long do you think Satan's going to continue to roar if every time he roars at you, you go and do something godly and spiritual? And, and so we run to that roar. And worry is a, is a roar that I want you to run to, especially in this situation. Amen? If you're worried about something, make sure, just listen. You, you, you can have your complaining card if you pray. If you don't, I'm rebuking your, I'm, re, I'm rebuking, I'm re, what am I doing? Revoking your prayer card or your complaint card. You know, if, if you don't pray, you don't get to complain. Same thing with voting. If you don't vote, you don't get to complain about politics. But if you're spending time in the word and you're spending time in prayer, it's going to change your perspective. Now, listen, it's not my job today to regulate anybody's preparedness, how, how, how you want to prepare for your family. I'm not going to ask you to raise hands and how many of you bought a year's worth supply of toilet paper? Because none of you, if you did raise your hand, would be able to tell me why. I got one answer. I've been asking all week. Can somebody explain the toilet paper thing to me? And someone gave me actually a decent answer. They said, well, because people are planning on having to be self-quarantined and stay home for, for a couple of weeks. That's, that's a decent answer, but you're going to stay home for two weeks so you bought a year's worth supply of toilet paper. <laughs> I mean, like, um, you know, if I run out, I'm just going to come to your house. Because I didn't buy, purposely didn't buy any toilet paper. I had somebody call me. You want me to pick you up a roll? I got some here. I said, nope, I'm not buying any for principle of it. Don't buy me any. 
I'm going to come to your house with my pants on my ankles. <laughs> Throw a roll out. <laughs> Don't shoot me. Don't shoot me in Jesus' name. You know, what are you going to do if your neighbors come by? Are you going to shoot them in Jesus' name, protect your toilet paper? What if they come by and they're hungry? As a Christian, are you going to shoot them in Jesus' name? Are you going to throw out a roll of toilet paper or a steak? Like Pat said, I hope you got generators too to go with your power and to go with your, your frozen steaks and all those things because they're there. And again, listen, I'm not here to regulate or, or judge. Honestly, your preparedness. I think it's wise to be prepared. I think it's wise to, to do some things. Some of those things I'm joking, but not. The, the toilet paper thing is fear. It, 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 and, and it's created hysteria where now you're afraid you can't get it, so you have to go buy some or, or you won't have any. But, but there's no need for it. And in the month, and, and I guarantee you, it's, it's going to be as much as you need. We've never had a toilet paper shortage. We're not about to have one now. You know, the, the Marines figured it out a long time ago. I don't tell you how the Marines do it. All right. Hey, look at verse number four and repeat after me. Say it with me together. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. One more time. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. One more time. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. So when are we supposed to rejoice in the Lord? When things are well? Hey, turn with me, if you would, to Acts chapter 16. Let's, let's find a biblical example of this happening. In Acts chapter 16, um, Paul and Silas are in jail. Now, it was said of the Apostle Paul that when he entered a new town, he would go and visit the jail and check it out and just as a visitor to see what it was like because he would spend more time in his life in jail than he did in somebody's house on his missionary journeys. Paul spent a lot of time in jail. Well, Paul's in Philippi. He's been, he's been um, jailed unlawfully. They've been beaten with rods. The conditions are absolutely terrible. They would have been stripped naked, beaten with stripes. They would have been chained against the wall, him and Silas, and, 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 and for nothing. They broke no crime. They weren't criminals. Their crime was believing in Jesus. Their crime was sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ to a hostile crowd. And it says, but at midnight, listen, Paul and Silas were whining and they were yelling at God in fear. Yay? But Paul and Silas were at the store buying meat and toilet paper. No, they couldn't. They were, they were in chains. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everybody's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awakening from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, he drew his sword and he was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and he ran in and he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And so they said, Know this verse, you guys, Acts 16.31. You can share this with your neighbors. So Paul says, or they, Paul and Silas said, it says they, believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. It's the most concise verse for salvation in the entire Bible. Romans 10, 9 and 10 would probably be second to that. But this one simply says that if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. 
is it that simple? Is this, is, is this what Paul and Silas wanted to communicate to the Philippian jailer to believe in Jesus and receive heaven for all of eternity? To be delivered from hell and brought to, to eternity with God in heaven as a believer in Jesus Christ? Absolutely. You know, we don't preach easy believism in this church. That, that Jesus said there's a cost of discipleship. And we encourage every one of you as a Christ follower to take up that, that the cross of Jesus, as he said, and follow me. That there's a cost of discipleship. There's buy-in. There's pay. That as, as you get closer to Jesus, more and more does he call and require of your life. And more and more does he want to use you and make you more like him. Jesus loves you just the way you are, but he doesn't want to leave you that way. He wants to change you and mold you and make you more like him and a better person every day. And there is buy-in. But you know what? Salvation starts somewhere. Sometimes the churches and the pastors, they argue over one idea or the other. Oh, you, you, you make it so simple. Well, listen, the beginning is simple. It has to be simple. It's Bible simple. If you believe on the Lord Jesus, you shall be saved. If you ask him in your heart, then once you become a Christ follower, you begin a relationship. You know, you don't, you don't begin later stages of intimacy with, with, with a spouse or with a fiance until you've been together for a season. When you first meet, yes, there's, there's normal greetings and pleasantries. And as you've been together for years and you get engaged and you get married and you have intimacy and you have children and you do life, that, that relationship grows and the things grow and the buy-in and the commitment grows. So without a doubt, when you first meet Jesus, it is simple. It, it is, there has to be a beginning. But it's a relationship. Everybody say relationship. And that relationship with Christ grows as you walk with him, as you read your Bible, as you pray every day. And all the things that God wants you to do, never let me, never let a church, never let somebody tell you what you should be doing for Christ. Listen, you do for Christ what God tells you to do for him. You do what God's called you to do. You know, we don't, we don't put upon babies unrealistic expectations. You don't expect a baby to kick a soccer ball. You don't expect a baby to catch a touchdown pass. You don't expect a baby to do backflips. But as the child gets older, they begin to walk. They begin and, and expectations grow and, and their abilities grow. And every one of us as Christ followers are in different places in our walk with Jesus. Amen? And our job, listen, as a body is to love everybody's position in Christ. Listen, I love all of your positions in Christ. I get excited. If you're a new believer in here and you don't know nothing about the Bible and nothing about Jesus and nothing about serving and walking, I love that stage of, of life for you. I love watching you in that stage. I love being a part of it with you and for you and, and, and next to you. And I love to see you grow. And, and, and eventually I know in years that that's going to change. And, and you're going to gain that maturity and love in Jesus. If you've been walking with the Lord for a long time and you're a student of the word of God and you like to have deep theological conversations. And I love that stage of life. I love walking through that stage of life with folks. But we have in, in the body all different stages and ages. Amen. And it begins somewhere. So, so Paul here, you can turn back to Philippians. I just wanted to show you an example where um, we found joy in every circumstance. Did Paul find joy in a bad circumstance? Can you find joy in a bad circumstance? Amen, right? Listen, joy is a choice. Everybody say a choice. So powerful. 
If you'll, if you'll understand and believe this concept, your joy is a choice. You choose it. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. You can find joy in every circumstance. And I already gave you a trump card. What is your trump card that I gave you to always find joy in every situation? Is that your name? Is that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life? That you're going to heaven. There's your trump card. Now you can find joy in every situation. Man, life stinks. I got no gas. I got no money. And I got gas. But my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. But my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And no matter where, no matter when, no matter why, no matter how, I will trust and serve Jesus. Amen? One more and then we'll go on to the next part. We're going to walk through Philippians 4 briefly. I'm going to get you guys out of here on time today. So that's my commitment to you. You can hold me to it. Um, In Psalm 62, in verse number 8, it says, Psalm 62, in verse number 8, it says, Trust in Him at all times, you people, pour your heart, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Amen. Listen, trust in him at all times. What times? Now, this isn't Greek. This is Hebrew, right? Because we're in the Old Testament. The New Testament is written primarily in Greek. The Old Testament is written primarily in Hebrew. So I always tell you all means all in the Greek. But in the Hebrew... You know what all means? All. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Now, again, um, I'm not talking about preparedness. I'm not talking about, um, you know, oh, just trust in the Lord so you don't prepare. You know, I always often think of this story. Um, there was a gentleman who was in a flood. And as the flood waters were rising, he began to pray. And he began to ask God to deliver him from the flood. And as the flood waters got up to um, about his waist, he was continuing to pray. And a guy on a little rowboat came by in the by his house, and he said, "Come on, I'll help you. I'll save you." And the guy said, "No, God is going to deliver me." And the guy left, and the waters got higher and higher, now up to his neck. And the guy on a jet ski came by. He said, "Jump on, I'll save you." And the guy said, "No, God is going to save me. I've been praying." And he climbs out of the out of the house, and he gets on the roof, and the waters are rising. And a helicopter comes, and a helicopter throws a rope and says, Get on, I'll save you. The guy says, I've been praying, and God is going to save me. And the waters rise, and he drowns to death and dies. He goes to heaven, and he's just fit to be tied. He says, God, I thought you were going to save me. God says, I sent you a boat, a jet ski, and a helicopter. What more do you want? Right? And, and, And Pastor Chuck, founding pastor of our church, he used to say this all the time. One of his Chuckisms. God gave you a brain, and he wants you to use it. So again, you know, I, I'm not, again, not talking against preparedness or, or, or practical measures. But I am speaking to a heart that, that, that functions in fear. And as Christians, that's, that's not to be the heart that we're to have. Amen? And then in verse number 5 in Philippians 4, you guys there? Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Everybody say, the Lord is at hand. You guys ever look up and see if he's coming? Hey, turn with me, with me, if you will, to Matthew 24. Somebody say, oh. Try it again. Somebody say, oh. 
Whenever I say Matthew 24, you know what's coming, right? The Olivet Discourse. Look at Matthew 24 in verse number 6 and 7. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilence. Everybody say pestilence. Everybody say coronavirus. (laughs) And earthquakes in various places. And all these are the beginning of sorrows. That word sorrows is translated um, in other places in the idea of birth pangs. Okay? We've talked about this concept. Jesus tells us all the things when he is at hand that will take place. He said when you, all of these things is the beginning of sorrows or birth pangs. And the way that birth pangs work is that as, as it gets closer and closer to the birth. And in the analogy, I would say that the birth is the rapture of the church. That the, that the birth is, is the beginning of the seven-year tribulation period where God is going to pour out his wrath upon a Christ-rejecting world and he's going to restore the nation of Israel back to himself twofold in, in God's plan in the seven-year tribulation period. So leading up to this birth in this analogy, he said, these are the things that you're going to see. And one of them is pestilence. That's what Billy Graham said in his, in his, in his message, is that, is that we're going to see earthquakes and, and famines and pestilence and these types of things. How much as a church are we going to endure before God comes and gets us? I don't know. I don't know. But I know I'm going to trust Jesus through it all. I know that God is going to never leave me nor forsake me. Do you believe that? The Bible says, Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You know, there's a difference, you guys, listen, in, in reading the word of God and intellectually understanding some of these things. And there's a completely different thing in really believing and living by what the word of God says. James says you're, you're double minded. You're like a man who looks in a mirror and walks away and forgets what he saw. He said, don't be hearers of the word only, but be ye doers of the word of God. And listen, for all of us, and I'm I'm in this boat with you. I'm not preaching at you. We're together and I'm together with you. We struggle at times in trusting the promises of God. I get it. But I'm encouraging us as Christ followers, myself included, that we can stand on these promises. And when Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, he meant that. Do you know Jesus even shared this same message in his life? He was there in a very, very um, emotional time in Jesus' life. Jesus cried because his friend Lazarus died. Shortest verse in the New Testament, right? Jesus wept. And, and literally he wept remorse and, and sorrow for Lazarus who died. And, and as he showed up on the scene four days later, Martha was there. And Martha was freaking out. She had no peace. She had no joy. She was upset. She was having a hard time, like many of us do, trusting in the Lord's promises in that moment because her brother just died. And she came to Jesus and she said, where were you? Had you been here, my brother would not have died. And what did Jesus say to her? He said, Martha, Martha, you worry about many things. But one thing is needed. And he said, if you live, if you live, and believe in me, you will never die. And then listen to what he said after that. If you live and believe in me, you will never die. And then he looked at Martha square in the eyes. And he said, do you believe this? And he challenged her. 
he challenged her to believe what the Word of God said. Do you realize she had no intellectual understanding in the moment after her brother just died what he was talking about? And Jesus looks her in the eyes and he tells her, if you live and believe in me, you'll never die. Well, my brother just died. Martha, do you believe this? And she looked at him and she said, yes, Lord. And he gave her an opportunity to make a wonderful confession of her faith. Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ. I believe that you are the resurrection and the life. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Amen? And then in verse number six, back in Philippians. Oh, I'm sorry, no, 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 we've got to finish this. I, wanna, I, I, I cannot leave this. Turn to Luke now, same, same sermon, just recorded differently in Luke 21. Beginning in verse 25. Listen. And there will be signs in the sun and the moon. Now part of what Jesus said about the end times in the last days is that there would be signs. That there would be signs of the times. Birth pangs. Labor pangs. You know, oftentimes people ask me, Pastor Chris, is this the sign? And I want to tell you that what's happening in our world today is a sign of the times. And, and, and for the last seven years, if you've been coming to church here, when we experience these birth pangs and national things and global things that, that fit with what the Bible says is going to happen in the last days, we've been pointing them out to you. What, what I wish is that I had um, compiled a list for the last seven years every time something happened geopolitically and in the news that I could give, um, you know, that I had this compiled list because it would be overwhelming. I think, I think that there's nobody that, that will be without excuse. Nobody's going to be able, unless you've got an ostrich with your head in the sand, how, you, when God comes back, you're not going to be able to say, oh, I didn't see any of the signs. They're everywhere. The signs are everywhere, and they've been going on and on and on. And I think what our country is experiencing, our world is experiencing, is absolutely a sign of the time. Does that mean this is the end and I'm saying the rapture is all that? No, I'm not saying that. But I am saying that you put all this stuff together and there is going to come a day when Jesus is going to come back. And it could happen at any moment. And the days that we're living in are unprecedented. What's happening in Israel right as I speak is unprecedented in Israel's history since May 14, 1948. There's not one person in the nation of Israel that's not a Jewish citizen. That's not a citizen of the state. On Monday, they begin stopping planes from coming in um, from all over the world. Israel has millions and millions of tourists that travel through it every year. Millions. And, and they've been adding a million every year. Whatever their number was in 2015, it grew by a million in 2016. And another million in 2017. Another million in 2018. And then, and then everybody who was in the country had 48 hours to get out. If you were there on holiday, on tour, on visa, you had 48 hours to get out. So it's just, it's just, just, just them that are left. And I don't know, that's, that's interesting to me. But again, these signs of the times that eventually there's going to be a baby. And what we're experiencing at the very least are birth pains upon a pregnant woman. And they're becoming more and more frequent. Amen? You agree with that? And more and more intense um, in, in severity. Amen? Okay, so Luke 21, verse 20, uh, 25 
and in the stars and on the earth, distress of nations with perplexity. Okay, distress of nations with perplexity. I think that's what we're seeing. The sea and the waves roaring. Look at verse 26. Men's hearts failing them from fear. Jesus predicted that what's going to happen is that men's hearts are going to fail them from fear. Let me ask you a question. Is your heart going to fail from fear? Are you going to have a heart attack because of fear? Do you know that biblically and scientifically that, that joy and laughter is good for your health? It's a proven fact. And if you laugh, the laughter promotes your immune system and does other things scientifically in your body and promotes health. And worrying does just the opposite. It promotes decay and, 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 and bad health. And so there will come a day when men's hearts will fail them from fear. But not for us, you guys. That's not, that's not us, right? What, is, what does the Bible say about, about that specifically? A verse we've been trying to teach you guys for a couple weeks. God has not given us, when we close today, we're going to end with this, but God has not given us a spirit of fear, but that of power and of love and of a sound mind. You guys got it yet? God has not given us a spirit of fear, but that of love and of power and of a sound mind. 2 Timothy 1.7. We're going to close with that. Look at verse, um, rest of verse 26. And the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of the heaven will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and Greg Laurie. He really likes Greg Laurie. That preacher from uh, Riverside, California. Now, when these things begin to happen, I would say they've begun to happen. At least we're seeing signs of them. This is the key, you guys. This is what I believe. If you have a different opinion, God bless you. I don't think you're wrong. I just, I just have this opinion. This verse right here, I stand on it. I believe in it. I really do. I live by it. Jesus said, when you see these things begin to happen. Now listen, here is Jesus' golden opportunity to tell you and I what to do um, regarding end time scenarios, pestilence and famines and earthquakes and wars and rumors of wars. It's at this point in the sermon where Jesus will tell you and I what kind of preparations he would like for us to make. And what does he say in, in verse number 20, 28? Now when you see these things begin to happen, look up, lift your head, because your redemption draws near. That's like some like, you know, like weird, like, like hippie surfer stuff or something, you know, like some surfer on the beach, hey, bro, waves up, you know, like world's falling apart and he just cares the waves are good or bad and surfs up, bro, you know, like flip flops and he can't rub two brain cells together, you know, like it doesn't, it doesn't sound like sound advice. Like, what do you mean? Just look up and walk around happy looking for Jesus. Like you see somebody walking around, they're doing this. What is wrong with you? When Lydia was in high school, she was in a, a scholarship pageant her junior year. And one of the, one of the other girls in the, in the pageant, she, her speech at speech time was walking in circles. How she walked in circles. Mm, special. <laughs> walking in circles. Okay. It, it kind of sounds that way. Listen, did, did Jesus right here drop the ball? Did Jesus miss the opportunity at the end of the, of the ominous, all of it discourse to give you and I some instructions of how to live in these days? I don't think he did. I don't think he did. How many of you guys remember Y2K? You guys still got the stuff you bought on Y2K? 
Come on, how many, how many of you guys still got it? You threw it away already. I threw mine away. <laughs> we did. Actually, the church sponsored this grain drive. We bought it, we bought these boxes of grain and all this stuff and uh, water and all this stuff for Y2K. I think I've thrown it away. I've definitely thrown it away now. I don't know where it is anymore. Probably didn't take long. You know, uh, I'm moving on. I'm trying. Try, <laughs> what? <laughs> All right, hey, go back to Philippians chapter 4. We're walking through this verse by verse. We're getting a good part now. We're in verse number 6. That was the end of verse 5. The Lord is at hand. That's why I shared that. And then in verse 6 it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Amen? So um, I think that's pretty clear. And it's pretty pretty tough directive. Be anxious for nothing. Come on, Lord, can't you give me something? Don't you realize that the tendency that I have, that you have, that we have, is to be a little anxious at times, and and you don't give me any room for anxiety? None. Be anxious for nothing. But what's amazing, listen, this is an amazing thing about our God. He doesn't just give you an impossible command. And he gives lots of impossible commands, by the way. But he doesn't just give you an impossible command and then leave you at that. He gives you an impossible command, and then he does something that only God can do. He says, and here's my Holy Spirit to help you accomplish what's impossible. And here's my power where, where your weakness, where you're weak. In, in your weakness, I am made strong. In, in your lack, I show up. In, in, in your need, I have plenty. And here's the Holy Spirit. Rely on the Holy Spirit. Spend time in prayer. You know, the one that I, that I camp on, right? God says for you men, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Okay, well, my example is I'm supposed to love my wife and, and give myself for her as Jesus gave himself for the church. How did Jesus give himself for the church? I don't have time to tell you today. But he brutally died upon a cross. He received a lot of stripes that he didn't deserve. So husbands, don't whine to me about receiving some stripes from your wife you don't deserve. Because I know a guy whose example you're supposed to be who took a couple stripes he didn't deserve. But, but in an impossible command, and then the Holy Spirit to back it up. Be anxious for nothing. That's tough, God. Yeah, it's tough, it's tough. But check it out. But I'm going to show up and help you. I'm going to walk right next to you. I'm going to stand with you. Every time you're anxious, I'm going to remind you to pray. I'm going to give you an answer to anxiety in the rest of the verse. Just keep reading. Be anxious for nothing but in all things. By prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God. What's the difference between prayer and supplication? Absolutely nothing. They're both the same thing. Different facets of prayer. Okay? Prayer is the term we use generally. Supplication is the part of the prayer where you ask for things. That's where you're petitioning God to give you what you want. That's where you're asking for the Porsche or, you know, the new whatever Gucci watch or whatever you like, you know, Gucci purse or whatever you girls want. Um, that's where you're asking, no, I'm teasing. That's where you, but that's where you're petitioning and asking God for the things that you need in your life is the supplication part. So begin to ask. Begin to ask the Lord for those things. Now, we encourage you in your prayers that you don't want to sound like a two-year-old when you pray and every time you come to the Father, like, I want, I want, I want, I want, I want some juice. I want some juice. I want some juice. That's my daughter. 
I want toys. I want toys. Will you buy me toys? You know, we spend about half our days her, her pointing out something that she wants me to buy her, either on TV or on her iPad. Or It's cute, but she's three. When she's 20, it ain't going to be cute anymore. But we encourage you in your prayers to, to worship the Lord, to thank the Lord, to talk to the Lord, and get to your supplications. You know, some people might say, oh, don't, don't ask God for those selfish things. No, no, that's not, that's not what the Word of God says. You're supposed to ask. And, if you're, and you're supposed to pray for yourself. If you're not praying for yourself, guess what? <laughs> Maybe nobody is. So, so be praying for yourself in your prayers as well. It's godly. It's okay. And we get to that place of supplication. So every time that, that you begin to be anxious, anybody have any anxieties this week regarding the coronavirus? I got one no. I got a lot of blanks. Being honest, nobody had no anxiety, no fear, no nothing. Well, you're all here. That's, that's, that's half the proof right there. You're not afraid. Nobody, not one little anxiety about coronavirus. Come on. Yeah, thank you, Heather, for being honest. The rest of you obviously are liars <laughs> to some degree. No, nobody wants to admit nothing except for Heather. All right, well, me too. But listen, it's okay. Like when you face that, when you experience that, I want to encourage you to pray. That's, that's just what I want to encourage you today to do. Just take those anxieties, take those thoughts, and pray. And if you'll, you'll take a literal approach to anxiety to cover it in prayer, see if it doesn't really make real change and lasting change in your situation. Supplication with thanksgiving. You know, it doesn't say supplication and thanksgiving. It says request or supplication. Ask for what you want with thanksgiving. It's almost like a PIA. Thank you in advance. Lord, thank you. I, Lord, I need this. And thank you for answering that prayer. And thank you, Lord, for what you're going to bring. Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do. A prayer of faith. James said to pray a prayer of faith. It avails much. The righteous prayer of a righteous man avails much. Um, let your request be made known to God. So we get several facets of prayer there, praying, supplication, thanksgiving, requests. So requests could be along the lines of supplications. And then, um, and listen, here's the promise of what God's going to do for you. How many of you guys want this next verse? And the peace of God, which surpasses, everybody say surpasses, understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You know, it's amazing to experience the peace of God. It really is. You know, I always say this, but one of the most powerful witnessing tools that we have to unbelievers is this peace. When, when the world is freaking out and you're not, it speaks volumes to your unbelieving friends. It speaks volumes because people don't understand how you remain calm, how you remain trusting and this peace that surpasses understanding, God will use it in your life as a powerful witnessing tool. And people will want what you have. And they'll ask you, how do you remain calm? How do you have a peace? And you can start telling them about Jesus. You can start telling them about the power and the love of Jesus in your life. And the work of Jesus in your life. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. So if we put this all together, be anxious for nothing, but in all things by prayer and supplication. Let your request be made known to God with thanksgiving. And the, and the 
peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now, the last little piece, I don't know if we're going to put it up or not. They didn't, they don't, we'll try it. We put my picture up. This is only mine. Nobody agreed. They said, don't do this. So I'm taking this one by myself. Maybe it's not going out there. Nah, you're not going to get to do it. Okay. All right. There. Why would you point a gun at me, Pastor? Looking down the barrel of a gun is what that picture is. That's the title of that picture. Looking down the barrel of a gun. Listen, if you're looking down the barrel of a gun, what do you got to lose? <laughs> What's your choice? Well, what's going to happen on the other end of that? You're going to go see Jesus. You know, Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now, I'm not wishing death on anybody, but just hypothetically, right? You know, we live in a world and, you know, in, in, in a real way, in real time today, people are facing the barrel of a gun and they're being asked to recant their faith. And if they'll recant their faith, they'll spare their lives. And if they won't recant their faith, they'll kill them. There's been rumors of some of our mass shootings, Columbine and others, where, where the shooter asked the people if they were Christians, and if they said they were Christians, they killed them. You know, to be honest, it's, it's, an easy, it's an easier thing to die for Jesus than to live for Jesus. It's hard to live the rest of your life serving and doing right and loving a family and providing and, and all the things you need to do as a Christ follower. That's difficult. You could put a gun to my head today. And you could say, you know, recant or die. And believe me, to, to live is Christ and to die is gain. What, 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 will you pull the trigger, please. I'm going to go see Jesus. I'm going to go walk on streets of gold. And my faith really believes that. You know, I, I really honestly, folks, I, I mean this. I, I get Paul's struggle in, 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 in Galatians. Paul says in Galatians, for me to live is, is, is gain. For me to live as Christ and to die as gain. He said, I struggle wanting to be home with, with Jesus, the Father in heaven. But knowing that I need to remain because it is needful for you. Because God has work for me to do. Because I have, I have people that count on me and rely on me. And, and so I, I need to stay here to serve this, this circle that I affect. But, but in my heart of hearts, I want to be in heaven with Jesus. Paul shared that. He says that. And we can understand, we can, we can relate to that. I can relate to that. My wife doesn't like it, but, you know, it's, it's probably old, old, old by now because I've been doing it for 20 years. But every time something goes on, I'm always, you know, like, the joke is so old. I'm not kidding. I've told it so many times. Something comes up, oh, I hope I get it. I hope it kills me. How is somebody, oh, somebody, somebody's got this thing or that thing. How do I get it? You're not funny. You're not leaving me with all these kids. What she used to tell me was, when we, you know, 10 years ago when we were having this conversation, I'd be teasing her about wanting to, wanting to die. She'd say, well, if you're going to do it, you better do it now while I'm still young and hot and can get somebody else. <laughs> I got news for you, honey. You, you, you're old and hot now. You, <laughs> you'll be just fine. As far as I'm concerned, it's just about me to live as Christ and to die as gain. And I don't lose anything. I get to go to heaven to be with Jesus. Do you guys feel that? How could you not want that? You know why the Bible, you know, do you know why the Bible doesn't have long, in-depth descriptions of heaven? Because we would all go jump off a bridge to get there. We couldn't wait. We'd be so pumped. 
You know, I don't want to hear you somebody tell me, oh, heaven's going to be boring. Whatever. You have no concept of God or the Word of God. Heaven is not going to be boring. Jesus is there. Streets are paved with gold. And here's the last thing, and we'll close with this because I'm over. We, we won't do a last worship song. That's okay. We'll just close. We did six already. Um, you know, in heaven, the streets are paved with gold. And the Bible talks about us, you and I, receiving a reward crowns and it even uses jewels and those types of things but listen what what would be valuable to you in heaven what if i gave you 10 gold bars i it's asphalt the streets are paved with that stuff you know you heard about the guy who died and kept all his gold with him he got up to heaven he had a bag of gold in his hand and peter said go throw it throw it in the street with the rest of the asphalt can't be gold and riches and money that's no value there like you have god's you know, the Bible says there's just weird, crazy stuff going on in heaven. There's a tree, and every month the tree bears a different fruit that we've never heard of before, these God fruits that we're going to have in heaven. And the same tree is a pear tree this month and an apple tree this month and an orange tree this month or whatever the fruits are in a different font. There's a river of life that, that flows from the throne of God. The streets are paved of gold. The value in heaven the crown, the glory, maybe, maybe it's people. Maybe it's the souls that you led to heaven. Maybe it's the souls that you influenced in getting there. And I think in one soul, there's probably thousands of people that had an impact and influence on, on us all getting to heaven. But you've got to be a part of that. That's value, something that you're going to have value in for all of eternity. So let's spend our lives telling people about Jesus. Let's spend our lives telling people about heaven. Amen? Hey, go out with joy this week, you guys. Find joy in every situation. Be a beacon of light as a Christ follower. Pour into somebody's life this week that, that maybe is living in fear and is hurting. If you bought a bunch of toilet paper, go find somebody who doesn't have enough and give them a couple rolls. Love them. Serve them. Invite them over for dinner. Hose them off out front before they come. Do what you got to do. And then, and then love them in Jesus' name. Wash them with hand. Well, you know, it's kind of expensive now. I'm going to bathe them in hand sanitizer or something before they come in. But let, let's try to love people for Jesus. Use every precaution that God has put on your heart and, and all those things. Be wise. And I'm not your guide for, for what that is. Don't listen to me, please. But do listen to me on this part. Just love and trust Jesus. He'd never leave you nor forsake you. I promise, promise, promise he's got you. He can handle this. He doesn't even drink Corona. <laughs> Let's stand. Let's stand together. I, I have this one Mexican friend, and he got he got it twice. They call it Dos Equis. <laughs> Father God, we come before you, and we thank you, Lord Jesus, so much for the joy of the Lord. The Bible says it's the joy of the Lord that's our strength. God, we want to be a people so full of joy and life God, we want to make every practical and wise precaution to protect our church, to protect our families, to protect our neighborhoods, to protect ourselves from this virus. And, and I pray that you would speak to us individually. I pray, God, that we would be wise, that we would use all the healthy and health and safety precautions necessary. And, Father, I just ask your blessing over our church. I pray that nobody in this church would get it. I pray that we would be safe by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that supernaturally, we would find a peace 
that surpasses understanding. How awesome would that be, God, for us to have a peace that we can't even figure out. We don't even understand. Life is falling apart, God, and we have peace because of you. We thank you for that promise. That can only come from a living God. We thank you, Jesus, that you're alive and well. We love you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. We love you guys. God bless you guys. Have a great week.